Welcome to a new edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton podcast. As always, I'm Colin. And this is Austin. And week four in the books uh, brought us some nice moments, brought us some nice memes, and it brought us um, some nice, uh, nice, not nice storylines, but it brought us some interesting storylines. Um, we will gloss over the whole urban meyer thing uh why (laughs) why i want to talk about urban meyer all right you get two minutes go he's a degenerate next question (laughs) yeah uh we're not going to talk about the urban meyer thing um but i did bring out some other interesting storylines here but before we dive into that this podcast is part of the fantasy points media group along with a ton of other great pods including the true north fantasy podcast the Play to Win podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, Injury Prone podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, and the Fantasy Points podcast. Uh, You can follow all of them on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live or check out the Friday Drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points media group. Uh, First little bit of news item here, not really fantasy worthy, but I know it's it's something I really wanted to get your take on. Uh, Because it involves the Steelers? And the Ravens. Noted, we're going to go to noted Raven hater here, Austin, uh, to talk about Harbaugh running the ball instead of kneeling it to tie the Steelers' record of 43 straight 100 yard rush games. I want my dream is to someday end up on the news and like it says, like Austin Nace noted Raven hater, like is like the description for why I'm I'm on whatever segment (laughs) I'm on. Um, I first off, I did not even know the Steelers had this record. Um, until I never would have known unless this past week happened. Um, look, I actually don't necessarily have a problem with with the run itself. Or the thing I have a problem with, I think, is by by the last play of the game, a lot of teams they're basically the guys go out there and it's okay. Like there's kind of a gentleman's agreement that we're not going to do anything here, so nobody gets hurt. That's my only issue with it. That kind of gentleman's agreement that exists, and I know you can say, well, it's not a rule. It's you know, but these guys beat the shit out of each other for 59 minutes and 25 seconds or whatever, 20 seconds. And then that last play comes up. And as long as the game's not on the line, it's just understood. You go out there, you kneel, everybody shakes hands, you get out. That's my only issue with it. I don't think there's necessarily a sportsmanship issue. I don't really give a shit. Um, and so um, I, don't, I, I don't even, I wouldn't even call it like Bush league or anything. Um, but I do think that the Broncos were right to be a little upset about it. Yeah, I definitely get why they're upset about it, but I like that Harbaugh did this. Um, it's and he what he, the way he said it was, you know, he wants he did it for his players. He did it for his guys, you know, like to be a part of history. And they don't have the record yet; they just tied it. But you 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 don't always see coaches being aware of records or caring about some of these records. And you know, for some of the guys in the field. You know, for Latavius Murray, like, yeah, he's had a nice career. But if he gets that record, you know, if he's part of that record, then awesome. You know, that's something that he can, you know, always hang hang his hat on and talk about. Um, but so I, so I would be shocked if Latavius Murray, who's been there for what three of the games during the streak, ever talked about this ever again after he retired. I will be completely right. honest with you. All right, it was just the first name that I pulled out here, but. It's nice to see coaches caring about some of these records that we typically think players care about more. I liked that. I definitely understand why Fangio was upset. 
Uh, I definitely get why Broncos fans would be upset about it as well. It is, it's gray area. It's gray area, but I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah. I mean, it's whatever. I don't know. Um, Fuck the Ravens. (laughs) On to the next one. Um, So actual fantasy news. Um, Justin Fields has officially been named the permanent starter for the Bears. Uh, It only took four weeks, which is a little bit sooner than I expected, which obviously timeline got accelerated by the Andy Dalton injury. But it is a little bit sooner than I expected. The Bears just seem like one of those franchises that were going to drag this out for way too long. But it's nice that he's actually in there now. Uh, where does this slot him in for rest of season projections for you for the quarterback here? Not from a dynasty perspective, because I know you like fields. I like fields, but just rest of season. I have such a hard time saying like what he should be rest of season. Um, I don't know. I think he finishes as a QB2. I don't think he finishes as a QB1 this year. Do you think he has a higher ceiling than that? Um, so a couple friends and I, uh, my brother and two of our friends from back home, um, Brady and Trav, I know you know them, but other people won't. We Every year we do a bold prediction. Uh, none of us have ever even been close. Uh, but my bold prediction this year was Justin Fields finishes as the QB1 on a points per, or was it QB1 or top three QB? Finishes either the QB one or a top three QB on a points per game basis, assuming he starts more than eight games. Um, so I'm very high on him. I think he can have a really nice year. Now he hasn't looked great in those two starts that he's had. So not really looking great for my bold prediction here, but I think he's going to be, he's going to continue to get better. And I think he's the type of guy who's could potentially win the league for you down your, down the stretch. Maybe. I mean, I, I have a league, for instance, where I have him. My quarterbacks are Stafford, Burrow, and Justin Fields. I like this news. I'm not still, I'm not even considering starting Justin Fields this week. I probably won't consider starting him ever without a bye week being involved unless I get a probably two games at least back to back that he looks competent. Like he's like, he's had flashes here or there, but he hasn't looked competent for a whole game yet. None of the, really the rookie quarterbacks have. It's 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 a rare thing when you see a guy do what Justin Herbert did. Yeah, last year I think we kind of forget that. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think he finishes like QB fourteen on the year. Uh, that, that that seems about where like his ceiling would be. That's definitely fair. I mean, that's more on the pace than than that he's on now rather than what I was projecting at the beginning of the year. But I still have high hopes for him. Uh, I have him in a number of places uh, in I'm in three redraft leagues. Um, and I think I have him in all three. So I was getting him very late, but I in, went the opposite. I have Lance in my redraft. Same, that's fair. Same deal. I'm sure. But, same idea. Uh, yeah. I just, yeah, I went fields over Lance. Cause I, cause, uh, I mean, well, we'll, uh, we'll segue here into, yeah. into the next one here. Jimmy G is a calf injury. Uh, questionable to play. He did not practice yesterday. Uh, they said the door is still open, but is it Trey Lance time? Um, I kind I mean, I don't know. He put up a ton of fantasy points last week on one half, but I don't think his, his actual quarterbacking performance was anything to write home about. Assuming that Jimmy G comes back in another week, I think they just go back to Jimmy. Unless he, uh, Trey Lance just blows the doors off of things, which I don't see happening i don't know 
I, he's not as pro ready as people wanted to say. Like every, that was like the popular thing to say. Like you should, you showed you were smart this off season by saying like he's actually super pro ready. Like you don't know what you're talking about. Like he really. I mean, I have a hard time believing that a guy that was playing FCS and only played one year and hadn't played in a full year basically like was super duper pro ready. I think this a, a slow uh, entry into professional football should have been expected for him. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and that's actually the reason why I went fields late over lance is because i just wasn't expecting him to get much time this year i didn't think he'd be very pro ready he's the type of player though i could see shanahan drawing up some like packages for here and there and using him but yeah i think unless he just comes out and absolutely shreds it this week uh and assuming jimmy g doesn't play because he is listed as questionable but uh, i think they would still go back to jimmy g after uh, after this week, if Jimmy G can go next week, uh, I just I, I'm with you. I don't think he was pro ready. I, I think that Jimmy G is fine. He's not a bad quarterback. He's going Jimmy G's going to get another contract after this one after they let him go. So, yeah, he's he's fine. And I, I think they'll go back to him. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much how I feel, too. Um, more injury news here. David Montgomery out at least four weeks with a hyperextended knee here, uh, which is really a shame because he was coming on strong. Uh, he's a guy that I was fading pretty hard uh, just because I wasn't typically taking running backs in the range where he was going. But I did not think he was going to have as good of his year as he was having. He, he looked good, and now it's it's kind of derailed here. Yeah. Um I don't really know what to say. I don't, I don't have any <laughs> David Montgomery. Um, I I don't have very much Damian Williams. I, I like. I just I, is it is it Khalil Herbert time? Because Damian Williams is a little bit banged up. I yeah. I uh, I don't know. I would be lying <laughs> if I said I knew how that backfield shakes out. But I think it's closer to fifty fifty split than people want to admit as they go and blow all their fob on. Um, Williams I actually got more Herbert on waivers this week than just because I he was going to be cheaper. And I was yeah. like, well, mm-hmm. well, we'll play. We'll see what we go with here. Yeah. Uh, I still don't think like the league winner has happened on on waivers yet. And I do think yeah. like as fantasy football evolves over the years, you get fewer of those guys because people are just more savvy and more attuned to the opportunities out there ahead of time. But I don't think like the guy has happened yet. Like Elijah Mitchell was not the guy that was going to break, you know, win the league for you. Right. It's not. It's not Damian Williams. It's not Chuba Hubbard. I mean, maybe it was Cordero Patterson. I don't think he can keep it up all year. Um, right. But, um, but they, I don't think any of those big name guys that everyone's been saying spend all your fob. I don't think any of those guys are the guy yet. No, I, I agree with you too. And it's the. <laughs> the situation where you have people out there who are like, oh, go pick up this guy, this guy, this guy, or this guy. They could be your league winner. Well, they're all backup running backs in good situations. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, you know, if you want, if you want to roll those injury dice, like those are the guys that you're going to pick up, but you're probably going to hang on to those guys for a long time. It's it's a trade-off. And I feel like in most leagues nowadays with the amount of information that's available and the amount of analysts out there though it's you're right it is harder and harder to go pick up Alexander Madison off of waivers after a a Dalvin Cook injury or you know an AJ Dillon 
after a uh, an Aaron Jones injury because people were already drafting those guys. Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know what to do with David Montgomery, um, but I, I don't think that helps Justin Fields at all either, though. No. Uh, that's another uh, you know point against him. Uh, A-Rob really needs to get his head out of his ass. That's what needs. That's what has to happen for that offense to be decent while while Montgomery's out. I think the offensive game plan needs to adapt and evolve and feature a Rob a little bit more. Um, but we'll we'll see how that pans out for David Montgomery. I'm not I'm not really moving him too much here. Um, yeah, it's at least four weeks with the hyperextended knee there, but I think you know he'll. He'll be able to come back from this, I think, successfully. It's going to take some time. You'll have to be patient with him, but it doesn't. I don't think it impacts him long term either. No, I just not a. I thought he was done for the year when I saw it. He didn't yeah. look like he was having a very good time as he was playing there. So yeah. Uh, next injury bit of news here: we got CMC's already back at practice. He gets uh, gets some limited time in this week. Uh, McCaffrey says he's good to go. The Panthers think he has a chance to play against the Eagles here. This is one week after a hamstring injury that they thought was going to be, you know, a multi-week absence here um, is obviously we still like CMC, but I know you had mentioned, I think it was last week when we, this came up that unless you're a super contender, you're looking to sell him. Is that right? Yeah, man, if they bring him back too fast and he repulls it, I'm going to be so pissed with Carolina. I don't know how NFL teams, ha- like any team hasn't learned their lesson to this at any point. And it was actually really refreshing to hear Dan Mullen talk about this. Shocker that I'm going to say <laughs> that Dan Mullen said anything remotely intelligent. Um, but he said yeah, a couple weeks ago about Anthony Richardson. He said, Anthony said that his hamstring was feeling fine. And my general rule is when a guy says his hamstring is fine, we give him one more week. I think more people need to go by that rule of thumb because it's just, yeah. they're so finicky and you can feel great. And you go out there, you take that first big stretch and it's, it's, and it's the three, another three, it just restarts the clock. So yeah. I, I really hope they sit him this week I, I don't, and don't rush him back. It's yeah, the fucking I, Eagles. Like, <laughs> you can, if you can't beat the Eagles without him, then you aren't a playoff team anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you there. I I really hope they don't rush him back because hamstrings are already an injury that I tend to avoid. Those are the injuries that tend to kind of linger because, like you said, you can feel fine and then you make one cut and you you know or or like you know you you try to take off because you see some daylight and then there goes the hamstring again so it's very finicky so if i have him which i i do i think this creates a a selling window for me in in redraft in particular also in dynasty unless i'm like like you said unless i'm a super contender redraft i always just throw caution to the wind i'd go buy him if someone offered him to me i don't care fair enough i mean we don't really play too much redraft and I don't play any heist. It's not like I am putting like a five thousand dollar, you know, right buy-in or whatever, you know. So whatever. Right. Um, uh, next bit of news here: Le'Veon Bell promoted to the active roster last week. They did send him back down this week. Um, they can call him back up though. Do we think 
that he takes the backfield at some point in time here, or is it just, you know, kind of biding his time? Cause he was second on the team in carries last week or touches, or is this just kind of a situation to avoid? I mean, I don't know if I, I, I did say a couple of weeks ago that I thought bell would probably take this backfield. And I still kind of believe that. I mean, I, th- we talked, both of us talked about how, you know, Tyson Williams just felt like that guy that, you know, gets the hype. Then they go out and sign eight other guys. And we said by week four, he's irrelevant. He's sad this week. So we look super smart for that one. Um, I don't know if he, like, if he will take that job over Devonta Freeman or whoever, Latavius Murray or whoever, um, yet maybe they'll rotate hard. But I still think, I still think Bell has a little bit of juice in the tank. I, I do. think so too. I, I think there's a little bit of juice there. Um, so I, as much as it would hurt, I, I think that he'll do still do some things this year. I, I said what a back end RB two or mid mid tier RB two. I think that's what he can definitely do once he takes that job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think he can take that job as well because Devonta Freeman is. I mean, Devonta Freeman, Latavius Murray. And Le'Veon Bell, that's like the like 2016 uh, all NFL backfield there. But you're about five years too late. Uh, but Bell's the only one out of the group that I do think has some juice left there. I think Devonta Freeman's just about done. Uh, Latavius Murray definitely on his last legs there. He may have a little bit left, so it may end up being Bell and Murray. Like we did see a little bit more last week, but... If I'm taking a shot on anybody, yeah, I'm, I'm taking a shot on Bell. I've already scooped him up in a couple places. Yep, yep. He was such a free stash. Why not? Yeah. Uh, last bit of news here just kind of broke today. Calvin Ridley is going to miss the game this week in London uh, against the Jets for, quote, personal reasons. Uh, Russell Gage also out this week. Is it Olamide Zacchaeus? There you go. That and and Loic, uh, whatever his name is, Loic Fuan uh, Fuanji. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't. I oh man, I don't know. Zacchaeus feels like one of those guys that you kind of have to start if you have him, and you, you it's a deeper league. You don't have that many options, but it also kind of feels like a trap. I don't. It, maybe the answer is is like Hayden Hurst or like. Cordero Patterson or, you know, like one of these kind of fringy guys just kind of goes off. I don't know that the answer is Kyle Pitts either, as much as I would be really cool if it was like, I just don't know that, that, that he'll be the guy that, that benefits from it either. Yeah. Honestly, this is just a pretty big stock down for everybody in the, in the Falcons offense for me here, because I don't think any of those receivers are particularly good. I don't, think that Matt Ryan's really at the point in his career anymore where he can elevate some of these Jags, even if it is against the Jets, um, who have been surprisingly solid on defense this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think it's just a big stock down to everybody in the, in the Falcons offense, honestly, except for maybe Patterson. Yeah, I don't know what Patterson's real role is there. Like, I, I really either. have no idea. You you're you're the one who watches them all the time. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's uh, yeah. I, they're they're using him in really interesting ways, and this is honestly probably the way he should have been used his entire career, because um, he already has four 
touchdowns on the season this year. Now, granted, he got three of them last week, but that matches his career total for a single season. Uh, so, and he's, he's through four weeks here. So they're using him well. It's they're definitely like an interesting role for him, but I think he's really the only guy this week that I would be comfortable starting in the Falcons game there. And that pretty much includes anybody in the Jets side as well. It's it's a London game. Yeah, those those are always risky to start anybody. And I never really feel like they're shootouts. They're they're kind of cagey affairs. Yeah. And I wonder how much their timelines are thrown off this year with COVID. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You know, yeah. That's a good point, too. Uh, all right, well, we that'll wrap it up here for the news. It's a little bit news heavier this week here, but uh, we can review this week one player who impressed you or you know stock up for him after this week. Um, yeah, so the player that's impressed me over the past couple weeks, A.J. Green, uh, the Arizona Cardinals. DeAndre Hopkins has been a little banged up, and he's taken on a bigger role, and I, he's been pretty solid. Um you know, week week one, he only had two catches, uh, but then since then he's had uh, three for forty four and a touchdown, five for one twelve, and then uh, five for sixty seven and one. He's been pretty consistent. He's been healthy. I mean, obviously he's not what he was three or four years ago or whatever at his peak with the Bengals, but I th- he looks like a, the savvy veteran that I was hoping he could be when he went there. I bought a lot of AJ Green this off season just because he was so cheap. He's he's very startable at this point on a week to week basis. If you play any sort of uh, league that gives you any sort of points for um, just be a PPR, half PPR, tiered PPR, or whatever you want, because he's he's caught three, five, and five the last couple of weeks. Um, so I I've been a little surprised that I was hopeful that this could happen, but but he's been pretty strong there for Arizona. Yeah, he's definitely been been a pleasant surprise there. The whole Arizona offense has really been. Um, clicking early in the season here but they have been spreading the ball out pretty pretty well so nobody's really been elite uh which kind of dings hopkins a little bit but that has also elevated um kirk aj green and rondale Moore. so uh yeah definitely definitely good call there i like that one who's yours mine is a guy we were just talking about cordero patterson homer (laughs) i mean it's hard to look at what he did last week and not say he has a stock up but yeah the three touchdowns definitely buoyed his 32.1 fantasy points and half ppr but before that i mean he had 13 fantasy points the week before that 21 the week before that so he's bad having a really nice year so far uh his seven carries uh, seven carries week one seven carries two week three seven carries week four six carries but he has seven targets in week two, seven targets week three, and six targets in week four. So he's been doing it pretty much all in the receiving game while being listed as a running back in in some places. I mean, they have him listed wide receiver running back in certain places. Kind of depends on the format or the the platform you're playing on. But you know, the verse the position versatility is is huge for him there too, because uh, you know if you're weak at running back. You can play him at running back. If you're weaker at wide receiver, you can play him at wide receiver. And I think this is the type of situation where this is going to continue. You know, maybe not 32 fantasy points. Probably not going to get in the end zone three times every every game. But I don't see anything in these stat lines that's unsustainable. The, the Falcons receiving core, they lost Julio. They still have Ridley. 
Kyle Pitts is there, but he's a rookie tight end. We always kind of thought it was going to take him a little bit longer to get going. But beyond those two guys, they don't really have anybody. Uh, Russell Gage is, is meh. Uh, Olamide is Zacchaeus. They got my boy Frank Darby. Maybe he gets some time here. But I think Cordell Patterson is going to be a mainstay in this passing offense. And then he's probably looking at a handful of carries each week too. Okay. Yeah, he scored three week, uh, three touchdowns last week. But like, what he's doing seems pretty sustainable. Outside know. of that, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I managed to lose a game last week that I started him. Um, Oof. Which really, really, yeah, Scott Fishbowl actually lost with him in my starting lineup. Didn't you say on Twitter if you won Scott Fishbowl because of Cordell Patterson, you were donating all your winnings to charity? I'm still three and one. Yeah, I got the other guy had Tyreek and Derrick Henry. Didn't matter. Uh, That'll fucking get you stupid. And he had he only had he only had one quarterback, but it was fucking Sam Darnold. We had like three uh, rushing touchdowns in the first half. I was like, this is not going to go well. I missed stupid. I lost that game because Daniel Carlson missed that one field goal. I lost by less than a point. Well, that'll teach you to start a kicker. All right. Stock up disappointment <laughs> or stock down disappointment. Yeah, stock down disappointment. Go. Um one of the biggest disappointments for me in all of fantasy so far this year, outside of guys that have been injured or whatever, has been George Kittle. He's done virtually nothing this season. Um, and it's partially usage, but that that I think that even adds to the frustration a little bit. I mean, he's gotten uh, he got uh let me see here. He had four targets, or sorry, he had ten targets this past week, nine the week before that, but they're not necessarily turning into you know catches and points. Um, he had four catches, 40 yards this past week, and he only has one touchdown on the year, and it was a rushing touchdown. It wasn't even a receipt. No, no, he doesn't have a touchdown on the year. He has zero touchdowns. Um, he's had seven, 78, 17, 92, and 40 yards. I, I mean, he just hasn't been efficient. He hasn't been getting in the end zone. He was thought to be kind of a top three tight end with Waller and Kelsey, um, and it's just kind of a bummer. Um, so he's been a big disappointment for me. Like Debo is doing all the, like we're operating in all the areas that we thought he would. I don't know what the heck is going on. Yeah, I agree. He's definitely been a disappointment. Uh, he's a guy that I got a decent amount of because he was kind of going what I thought was a value because you'd see Kelsey will go, Waller go, and then it was a little bit later until you'd see Kittle start to go. And, you know, I, I had high hopes that he would maintain or he would bring back that production that we saw from him. But you're right, it, hasn't happened yet so definitely stock down there yeah uh, my stock down is a, another pretty big disappointment here for me this is a guy that i have in a lot of places it's robbie anderson uh, i thought you know he was he had a great year last year he was i think wide receiver 21 or 24 on the Something end of the like year that. um yeah he was back in wide receiver two and he was not being drafted that way this year and he was going very cheap they just re-signed him he just got his quarterback that he had in uh, New York with the Jets for forever. So he already had rapport with the quarterback. I thought that he was going to essentially repeat his performances from last year, but he has been a massive disappointment. Um, he has he has three targets week one, six in week two, two the week after that. He did have 11 targets last week, um, which is nice to see, but didn't turn into anything. Um, it turned into 46 yards and seven points, four points and half PPR, you know, so 
he's been a pretty big disappointment here for me so far this year and last week as well. Yeah, I mean, that's sure. <laughs> Thank you for your always interesting and insightful uh, response there, Austin. D- DJ Moore has just been great this year. There hasn't been the, the scraps just kind of get passed around to everybody else right now. Terrace Marshall hasn't done anything either. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's DJ Moore's season. It is DJ Moore's season. Uh, One big surprise for you here. Marquise Brown's usage continues to impress me this year. Uh, A guy that, you know, sent the late last season, he, he caught on a little bit, but this year he's really been a guy earning targets and getting a decent amount of them. Uh, Six, 10, seven and five targets over the four games so far this year. Um, and he's been fairly efficient as well. I mean, besides that one, you know, that one game where he had a couple of drops there with that, that hasn't been an issue for him. Uh, a touchdown in three or four games. We'll see what happens when Rashad Bateman comes back. I don't know if that's necessarily sustainable, but he's been a surprise for me. Um, I thought that he might find success, but it wouldn't be in Baltimore. I I thought that ship had kind of sailed, but apparently not. So good for him. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I had honestly kind of left him for dead there. Now uh, the Bateman injury, I did think I think that does open the door for him there. Um, but he's he still had to walk through it, and he still had to catch the ball, which you know he kind of battled drops for a decent part of his career there this year or so far. And he's had some um, to this point this year, but he's also had a couple really nice catches too. So you know the the usage though, I think is the big surprise. Uh, but my big surprise here is Darnell Mooney, uh, wide receiver one for the Chicago Bears. Uh, he had he had a forty one percent target share last week, um, which is that that's insane. Uh, he had a hundred air yards as well last week too, um, seven for or five for one twenty five. Uh, so he has really been stepping up here. Uh, you know before that. Uh, he had a uh, six for 66 game as well. I mean, Allen Robinson hasn't really done any of that this year. Um, he's he's still on milk cartons at this point. So, yeah, Darno Mooney, wide receiver one, Chicago Bears. And him and Justin Fields have that bromance. Have you seen them hanging out? I have not. Oh, it's like, yeah. They don't there's frequent video. clubs in Chicago. No, they, it's not Dwayne Haskins. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, they uh they've been like hanging out together and stuff. There's some clips of them. So budding bromance, perhaps. Maybe. Maybe. And with Fields taking over, maybe it continues. Uh, but looking ahead to this week here, uh, we'll give you the underrated start or under the radar start of the week. Uh, so it's gotta be somebody outside the top 12 at quarterback or tight end, or outside of the top 24 at wide receiver or RB. Uh, this is courtesy of Fantasy Pros rankings. Um, weekly rankings, Austin hit us. Yeah. Let me find what number he is. So I put James Connor as my underrated start. He's number 35. According to them, Arizona plays San Francisco who has a very middle of the road rush defense. Um, not great, not terrible. Uh, they give up a decent, uh, you know, yards per carry. They've given up a decent chunk of yards. I mean, it's still a little early in the season necessarily to draw sweeping conclusions there. Um, but the, the way that, Arizona uses their running backs. It has, it has they've done it consistently with with Cliff Kingsbury there. They basically have a guy that operates between the end zone and the twenty on either side of the field, and then they have a guy that works between the twenties 
in the middle of the field. And that's just, uh, they get a guy that works in the middle of the field for them is, is, um, wow. That just went right out of my head. <laughs> um, what the hell is his name? Played a what Fordham or whatever. Oh, Chase Edmonds. Yes, thank you. Chase Edmonds play works between the twenties, and then James Connor does everything you know, backed up on his old, own goal line or in the red zone. Um, and that's a rule that I think James Connor is very well suited for. I think we actually even talked about that on one of the shows this offseason. Uh, last two weekends, he has two touchdowns apiece. I'm not necessarily predicting him to have two touchdowns, but I mean, I, I figure this might be a little bit of a higher scoring game. There, Arizona has been a pretty strong offense this year. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity once they get to those spots for Connor. So I think another score and and 50 or 60 yards. I mean, that's that's definitely within uh, his his range of outcomes there, and that's great for you know uh, we're starting to get into running back injury season. So they're probably you're probably starting worse guys than him in some of your leagues. Uh, I tell you that I, don't, I definitely don't think he's one of the worst options that somebody has this week. I am starting James Conner in a league, so. I don't have him in very many places because I had kind of left him for dead as well, but I have him in one uh, and I am starting him. Uh, my under the radar start of the week here this week, it's uh, kind of, I, I feel like it's cheating a little bit here because I don't understand why he's ranked wide receiver 31, but it's Tyler Boyd uh, ranked wide receiver 31 there. I mean, he's, he's been pretty solid all year this year. I mean, it's, he's putting up Tyler Boyd stat lines seven for 73 four for 36 of a touchdown nine for 118 i mean that's just what we expect from tyler boy you know it's helped out a little bit with with higgins being banged up but i i don't think it would change that much even if higgins was in honestly because he he operates a very different role and he operates a role that joe burrow likes uh you know joe burrow likes to target the 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 slot the tyler boyd's uh, the type receivers and I don't think this is going to change this week. I mean, Green Bay does have a pretty good pass defense. Uh, they are seventh in pass point uh, or eighth in passing yards allowed. Um, you know, that, and that was, you know, they, they played New Orleans, Detroit, San Francisco, Pittsburgh. So not bad teams there either. So they do have a pretty solid pass defense. But I, I do think uh, Tyler Boyd still going to have a really nice week this week. Should definitely be higher than the wide receiver 31. You know me. I love Tyler Boyd. So music to my ears. Pit legend. <laughs> Pittsburgh stand up. <laughs> Pittsburgh stand up. Um, you've been hanging out, Felix, too much. Yes, I have. Somebody uh, save me. <laughs> All right. One prediction, and you can go any way you want here with this one. It is finally, ladies and gentlemen, Jalen Waddle breakout season. I think that this week is a good shot for him to do it. Look, I get that they're, you know, the, the quarterback situation there is not ideal. Jacoby Brissett, um, I think we know by this point in his career why he's a backup. It's because he's not very good. Um, and, and he's had some decent performances, you know, against the what the Raiders a couple weeks ago. He had 12 catches for 58 yards. They just targeted the shit out of him um, last week. Uh, a little more you know, disappointing three for 33 there tampa bay has the worst pass defense in the nfl and they just lost carlton davis um so i don't know if they're going to put sherman on him which i think is a recipe for disaster if you're tampa i don't know if you just try to bracket him and let sherman cover somebody else Devonte parker i don't know what their game plan is going to end up being but um i think that they're ill-equipped to handle him and I think that he could have 
like seven for 120 and one or something and kind of just really show the, the NFL, you know, I am here. That's my, that's my, it's not, I guess we don't ask for bold. That's just my prediction. No. That's just my prediction for the week. Yeah. I like it. Uh, I hope it comes true because I like Jalen Waddle. I've been a big Jalen Waddle stand the whole time. I, I, I think this is, this is a good week for him as well for the reasons you laid out there, but uh, also it's time. I just want to be able when he scores to be a you know waddle baby waddle baby waddle baby waddle baby waddle. Baby, waddle. <laughs> um, my prediction here for this week is the Falcons find a new and exciting way to lose the football game uh, to the Jets in London. They seems like new coaching staff, same old Falcons. They always find a way to lose the game. Uh, they miraculously beat the, uh, the the Giants. That one kind of surprised me. Really thought they were going to lose that one. Um, but we actually have a solid kicking game. So thank, shout out Young Way Koo. But last week, they lose on uh, just a, a broken play. Heineke hits J.D. McKissick at the end of the game. They lose 34-30. Uh, they're going to be without some of their top weapons uh, this one with uh, Gage and Ridley out like we touched on a little bit earlier too. the London games are always a little bit weird. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see how the Falcons blow this game down the stretch. And then we'll have Felix hyping up Zach uh, Wilson. Oh God. <laughs> That's the one thing I don't need in my life right now. This is Felix hyping up Zach Wilson. Yes. <laughs> Felix as I told you. So those are just, too the much good thing me. is the good thing is they're usually short lived. <laughs> Casey Thompson, <Poor> Felix. <laughs> uh, all right, so go a little bit of the Devi slant here for us. Uh, one highlight, uh, one notable player here from the class of 2022, and you chose a guy that is going to. Uh, well, I'll let you, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, thank you. Um, don't don't butcher my my intro here, man. Yeah. Um, so I chose somebody whose their most recent game was just incredible. Um, this podcast will drop Thursday night, ten seven. Uh, you'll probably listen to it Friday morning, um, and you'll probably see uh, if you're a college football guy that Coastal Carolina is is whooping up in Arkansas State here today, and a big reason for that is Isaiah Likely, the tight end there for the Chanticleers. Uh, this is not a. This is not, you. You're hearing me correctly when I say this. He has eight catches for 232 yards and four touchdowns tonight. Uh, basically, single-handedly winning that game. Uh, he should have already been on your radar. He's a. He's one of the better tight ends in the class. I think it's. It's not a class that has a lot of top-tier talent, but the the middle depth is pretty solid, and he's one of the guys in that range. Um, 6'4", 240, so he's not enormous, but he's not one of those undersized guys either. He's a pretty good athlete. Um, he had a 99-yard touchdown tonight, so, I mean, the guy, the guy can move. He's got some nice wheels on him, pretty solid hands, can win in the red zone. Uh, I don't think he'll ever be a stud in the NFL, but he's certainly somebody that you should be monitoring. Um, possibly a top three tight end in this class, so however you view, uh, depending on you know Jalen Weidermeyer or... Um, uh, what's his name at, at Colorado State? Uh, McBride. Yeah, McBride. Like, I, I think after those guys, it, it's pretty wide open and and likely could, is likely that third guy. 
<laughs> nice. I'll be here all week. It's a short week. It's all right. Um, my, I, I mean, I like the call. I, I do. The tight end class is a little weak here. Um, I, I think you could get solid draft capital, honestly. Um, so I, I like that call there. My guy here is uh, Rashad White, running back for Arizona State. Uh, he had a nice, really nice year last year. Extremely efficient um, on four game through four games. He had forty-two uh, carries, four hundred and twenty yards, five touchdowns. Eight receptions, 151 yards, and a touchdown there. So just crazy efficiency. Was never really going to be able to keep that up. But he's also had a really nice start to the year this year. Uh, very efficient as well. And he's been seeing even more work in the passing game uh, than he saw last year. Uh, he's got 64 carries, 325 yards, and eight touchdowns. And then 23 catches, 225 yards, and a touchdown all through five games. Uh, he's... He's looked very impressive. I mean, he had, it was he was a guy that I liked. I, I was a little bit more cautious about him, though. He came from the JUCO ranks, uh, and it was a very shortened season last year for Arizona State. It was a very weird year, too, for them. Uh, they didn't really have a lot of pass-catching options. So I was cautiously optimistic on him, and he's, he's exceeded expectations this year. Uh, in a class where... We're still looking for the number three running back. Uh, given his pass catching work, his size, six foot two ten, which is a little bit on the bigger side, but uh, it's still it's lead back size. I think he's a candidate for the for the number three role, the number three RB. Yeah, I don't know if I'd quite put him that high still, but I, he's so weird because his his athletic ability and stuff just doesn't match his body at all. He's just <laughs> so bizarre. And he has he has bulked up, yeah, to up to like two ten or whatever. Like I, he's he, the dude is an enigma. I just I I don't uh, I I don't know exactly what to make of him at all. That's like I said, that's where I was last year, and he sold me. Um, I, I don't have him as the RB three in this class yet, but I'm not ruling it out that I would put him up there because honestly, outside the top two guys, it's just a big jumble. You'd put Eric. him over Zach Charbonnet? Pot potentially. <laughs> I can't believe you. <laughs> uh, potentially. Uh, I, I mean, Charbonnet doesn't have the receiving chops that White has. I mean, Charbonnet's fine as a receiver, but White's the type of guy that you can you can use him as a weapon, as a receiver. Uh, and, that, and that's pretty big. Uh, so... I'm not ruling out that possibility. So like I said, it's just a whole mishmash of other guys at the for the number three spot. Fair enough. Fair enough. Very non-committal. And that's you sound, like, you sound like me out there. <laughs> I, I get it honestly. Uh I I do tend to hedge, but um, you know, it is what it is. I don't like to be wrong. Uh anyway, I think that's gonna do it for us here tonight. Uh, be sure to tune in to the Saturday morning show on the tailgate live on our YouTube uh, page. We go live at 10 a.m. Uh, it's going to be 10 a.m. to 12. Uh, then we'll come at you Saturday night after the primetime game from coast to coast. Uh, also be live. That'll probably be 11, 1130 ish, depending on when that primetime game wraps up. Uh, definitely check out the C2C family of pods as well. We got the Debbie debate dropping on Wednesdays. Uh, why wait till Sunday? The Fantasy Roundtable, the new Three and Out Pod, 
Uh, we'll also bring you the uh, early week show, Campus Life. That'll be coming on Mondays like usual. Uh, but until next time, I'm Colin. And this is Austin. And have a good one.